Again, if you're at home sick listening, thanks for listening. And I have a whole list of people I heard that's out and sick and we're sorry you're not feeling well and, and uh, hope that you are feeling better soon. So Proverbs chapter number four, and let's look at uh, this one verse, and this is our text verse for tonight, uh, where we're continuing this Bible study we started last week on getting wisdom in our head uh, as we study a little of the background and then uh, uh, tonight the introduction to the book of Proverbs. And so here we are, Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, and uh, God uh, puts these words in the Bible, wisdom is the principal thing. We don't use that word principle a lot. You could use the word, modern word, main. It's the main thing. Uh, getting wisdom is the main thing. So after you get saved, God says, what should your main focus be? Getting wisdom. Uh, if you get married, what's the main focus? Getting wisdom. If you're going to be a soul winner, what's the main focus? You better get some wisdom. If you're going to be a leader, you better get some wisdom. Going to start your own company, uh, better get some wisdom. Going to run for president, you better run for your life. And uh, so anyway, here's Proverbs chapter uh, 4, verse 7. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Let's pray. Lord, bless the Bible study. Give us attentive ears. Help us learn something in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were not here last week, I'll just give you the blanks. Solomon was the human author uh, that's who God used to write this book. His name means peace. Name means peace. Uh, we mentioned how, how God made Adam to work the garden. So God makes a man, that's the blank, to fit the job. He makes the man to fit the job. The man gets fulfillment out of his job. Uh, a woman usually gets fulfillment out of her family, her relatives, uh, if she's married, a wife, if she has kids, uh, her kids, that sort of thing. Uh, his background, uh, he had a dad. Of course, that was David. Uh, he had brothers. He was not the firstborn. His first brother passed away. And his first brother was from an affair with a neighbor, uh, David. And the woman's name was what? Okay. See, we all remember the bad. All right. And so his mother was Bathsheba. And then we see in Roman numeral number two, secession is very important. So David is getting ready to die, and the oldest son throws a party and says, I'm going to be the next king. And let me just say this. In the olden days, no one ran for president. No one ran for king. A group of people said, you ought to be the king. You ought to be the president. So it was not self exaltation. It was a group of people that believed. Uh, you uh, read the biographies of Abraham Lincoln like I have. I mean, I mean, it was the town. It was friends. It was leaders in Congress said, Lincoln ought to be the president. He goes, are you kidding me? They said, Lincoln. And, and so uh, that's, that's how it happened here. It was God that put it in David's heart. He said, Solomon is to be the king. Not the firstborn Adonijah, but Solomon. And so the wrong guy almost became king. And then Roman numeral three, he is known uh, throughout history and the Bible for his wisdom. So that's what Solomon is known for. Uh, from time to time, it'll be on a Jeopardy show or a game show. It'll be in the Bible. Who was the wisest man who ever lived? The wisdom of Solomon. And so that, uh, uh, that is known throughout the world. Uh, uh, of the world. Uh, how do we know he was wise? Because God said it. How do we know? 
The next blank, because of his judgment, he judged two immoral women and said, uh, you're the mother of the child. Next, he attracted people who came to him with their questions. And that's going to be one sign that you're becoming wise. People around you will start coming to you with their questions and with their problems. How come? They think you know the answer. And that's why it's so important. We get through discipleship. We learn the Bible. So we have the answers. And then his ability to design and build the temple. So God gave him some of the directions in Scripture. But if you look at it, that's not enough to make uh, a, uh, what do you call it, an architectural drawing. So Solomon was just filled with wisdom to build a building that took seven years to build with 80,000 construction workers. Some of you guys that have built things and some of you that have worked on things, you say, well, you know, I could get this yard done if I had a crew of four or five men. What could you do with 80,000 workers? And it took seven years to build. I mean, stones quarried that weighed tons. Uh, 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 trees uh, uh, that were felled and then put into the ocean and, and floated downstream to, to come into Jerusalem from Lebanon. And just, just so many things. He was so wise. Uh, Roman numeral uh, four, we mentioned it last week. Wisdom is the principal thing. Then this is new material here, Roman numeral five. There were three books that God used Solomon to write. One is the book of Proverbs. That's when he was young. So this was when he was a young man, wrote the book of Proverbs. It said a thousand and five songs did Solomon uh, write and then uh, it uh, said how many Proverbs he had written as well. Uh, what is a proverb? There's no place to write it if you want to just write it on the side there. It's a short, easily remembered saying. And there are Proverbs all throughout different societies. In China, they would say, Confucius say, he that touches hot item gets burned. Or, you know, something like that. So uh, they uh, uh, little short sayings that are easily remembered. Abraham Lincoln had a lot of these little short sayings. You remember uh, poor Richard's almanac? You know, everyone knows all about this because we, we went to school, right? Some of you are saying, poor what? Oh, okay. And so uh, that's Proverbs. And then the Song of Solomon, also when he was, uh, when he was young. The theme is it's an it's a intimate marriage book. Also, it is our intimacy, our walk with the Lord. That's what the Song of Solomon is all about. And it's deep. I mean, it's, uh, it's poetic. It's deep. Then the book of Ecclesiastes was written way later in Solomon's life. Solomon got away from the Lord. We'll look at that passage in a second. He got away from the Lord, wasted some years, then got right with the Lord and wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. The theme of Ecclesiastes is life under the sun is empty. Or life lived for the temporal and not the eternal is empty and vain. And so that's the three books God used him to write. You say, well, how do we know he wrote Ecclesiastes after he got right with the Lord? Because in the New Testament, it said God used holy men to write the scriptures. So that meant they had to be right 
when they were writing the scriptures. So let's look at this for a moment. Uh, keep your finger there. Let's look over in 1 Kings chapter 11, if you will, for a moment. 1 Kings chapter 11. And then we'll finish up on the last part. Practical ways to become wise. Practical ways to become wise. And look at this here. 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. So he has now built the temple. He has now built his house. People are coming from all over the world to hear Solomon's wisdom. He is writing scriptures. He is writing songs. He's, he's lecturing about uh, geology, about botany, about science, uh, about agriculture. I mean, he is, I mean he's, got the, he's a walking encyclopedia, if you will. And not just a know-it-all, but practical. And then let's see what happened to him. So we see in 1 Kings 11, but. Notice how that chapter starts off a negative. God says, Solomon was doing so good, but. Well, what was his downfall? But Solomon, King Solomon loved many strange women. Has anyone ever seen a woman that looks strange to you? How many of you have ever seen a man you say, that guy looks strange? That's not what he's talking about. The word strange most of the time refers to foreign, foreign, someone not like you. And then in the book of Proverbs, it refers to a wicked person because the Bible says, and there was a strange woman. You could apply it this way. A strange woman or a strange man in the Bible means someone you are not supposed to be with. You follow me? So God says, Solomon loved many strange women. Now here's God's plan. And God's always got plan B, C, D, E. Uh, you know, I've had people say, well, pastor, what do you do if you married the wrong person? Well, uh, it's till death do you part. They, when you said I do, they became the right person. As long as you're with them, they're the right person. But it always gets complicated when it's more than one. Because when God made Adam, he put Adam in the garden and he just put one woman in there. So the principle is always one man and one woman for a lifetime. Now, God can give wisdom when that doesn't work out. And I get that. We'll talk about that some other time. But that's always best. In the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of people had more than one wife. Abraham did. And see, see how happy that was. The women fought, the kids fought. And then uh, it was Isaac had, uh, uh, excuse me, Jacob had, had, had four women. And then he had 12, excuse me, 11 sons. And, and the women fought and the, and the sons fought. And the sons wanted to kill one of the sons. And, and, and it just, it, it didn't bring peace. So young people, let me encourage you. Look long and hard, you get one choice. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's always best, uh, better to wait a little while longer and get the right one than get the wrong one earlier. And so, but here's Solomon. He's so wise. He's got it together. He's offered a thousand sacrifices to God. God gives him uh, his wish. He gives him wisdom. He gives him uh, riches. He gives him honor and fame and things and money. And it says, but Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh. It seems like Pharaoh was the enemy. You remember that in Exodus? Pharaoh wasn't the good guy. 
Women of the Moabites. That's Lot's children. God's people were never to be with the Moabites. That's where Ruth came from. That's where Naomi and her husband moved. The Ammonites, all the eight people are bad. The termites, I mean, you, all of them. Edomites, Ammonites, Zidonians, Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely, that here's the reason those marriages are bad. It's not their skin color. It's not the country they live in. It's not just their education. They will turn away your heart after their gods. How many times have I heard people say, well, you know, I wasn't a real strong Christian, but when I started dating this girl, I had to uh, become one of her church members to marry her. The Catholic Church does that. If you're going to get the Catholic girl uh, or the Catholic boy and be married in the, and, and, and you have to be married in the church or you don't go to heaven, the ceremony has to be in those four walls or it's not a real wedding and, and you're living in adultery, that's what they teach. And so uh, you have to sign the papers. We'll raise the kids Catholic. We will go to all the catechism classes and, uh, and I'll become a Catholic. I'll get baptized. Why? Jump through all the hoops to get the girl. And then here it is. Then the heart starts turning. And so here is Solomon. Look at this, verse seven. They turned away. Turn means it was a gradual process. He had worshiped the true God, the God of the Bible. Now look what Solomon's doing in just a few years. Verse 3, he had 700 wives. How come? The more women, the more satisfaction. Really? 700. When's he going to be satisfied? And 300 concubines. What's a concubine? Uh, uh, that's in case the other 700 were out of town, I guess. And his wives turned away his heart. So somehow those went, come on, Solomon. Why do you have to go to the temple? Can't you worship uh, Ashtaroth with me? I mean, I love Ashtaroth. Uh, uh, can't you worship Chemosh with me? Look, all we do is kneel. You know, we're not really worshiping him, but you know, this is the way I was right. Come on. And soon, gradually his heart was turned. Verse four, it came to pass when Solomon was old and his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Not only did he marry them, he started worshiping their idols. Where was Kevin Wynn when we needed him? I can see it now. If Kevin Wynn would have lived at this time, and Kevin Wynn chopped all the idols down, and then they, they, they threw him to the lions. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord as God, as was the heart of uh, David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, went not fully after the Lord as did David, his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab and the hill. Likewise did he, verse eight, for all his uh, wives. So whatever God they worship, he built a statue for them. Verse nine, and the Lord was angry with Solomon. And it goes on and on. Why am I saying all this? If Solomon could backslide, how easy for us. I mean, Solomon, when he went to bed as a boy, his dad didn't read him Bible stories. His dad, David, said, let me tell you the story of when I killed Goliath. It was true stories from his dad. He could have looked over his dad's shoulder growing up, seeing him write Psalm 23. Dad, what are you doing? Writing part of the Bible. I'm listening to God right now. He's inspiring me. Be quiet, Solomon. I'm writing part of the Bible. Look at the 
the upbringing Solomon would have had. Yet, it was someone he married. Almost everyone I've ever known that has backslidden, it's always been somebody. It was an old flame. It was a friend. And someone they met online. It was a backslider at church. It was an ex-member. It was an old friend that contacted them. It was someone they met in the chat room. It's someone that influenced them through their music. It was a television star that told them what to do. It was some website that they read and they were influenced by. It was somebody talking in a book. It's always somebody. We got to be so careful who influences us. Here's Solomon. He went from the top all the way to the bottom. He got right, but he lost a lot of respect. Lost a lot of respect. So practical ways to become wise. What can we do as a Christian to have biblical wisdom? Number one, bathe in the Bible. Bathe in the Bible. And uh, uh, there's a little blank there. I'll read the passage. If you can get to it quick, you you can sit with me. If not, I'll read it. Psalms 19 and verse number seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Here it is. Making wise the simple. The word simple means unpleaded. So you take a sheet of paper and you fold it and you fold it. Right now, no experience. It's just, it's just smooth. It's never done much. It's just kind of laid there. But every life experience is a pleat. The older we get, the more experience we have, good or bad. Some things we've learned. Some things that we learned the hard way. Sometimes some things we learned in books. So we've got some experience. Simple people, new Christians, young people, they don't have a lot of experience. So they're simple, easily seduced, easily duped, easily tricked, if you will. And God says, what happens? Uh, the word of God will make us, it'll make the simple wise. It'll make us wise. So number two, bathe in the Bible. Number one, spend time with wise people. Spend time with wise people. This will help us become wise. Proverbs 13, verse 20. You've heard it before, but I'll read it. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. When I was on staff years ago working for Brother Buchanan in Louisiana, I would always ask, do you have someone to pick up our guest speakers that are flying in? And sometimes he'd say, well, I'm picking them up. Sometimes he would say, you want to pick them up? I said, I give my right arm to pick them up. So here I am. I'm picking up Dr. Lee Robertson. Lee Robertson, who baptized 65,000 people, is in my car. He didn't know his life was at stake. <laughs> it was my driving. And uh, uh, I'd say, uh, Dr. Robertson. Can I ask you a few questions? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, sure, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you're a young man. Uh, uh, I got a lot of experience. And, and so, so he preached till he was like 90. Got to pick him up in the car. Wise man. Read his books. Heard him preach. Got him to sign my Bible. By the way, you, they'll never sign your Bible after they die. So just a little thought there. Uh, Carl Hatch. Uh, uh, Brother Hatch, what are we going to do? That's... Man, I just like to stay. He said, I've eaten so many McDonald's, my back's got an arch in it. These cheapskate, these cheapskate preachers. He said, I'd like to have a steak. All right, Brother Hatch, uh, we'll give you a steak. He always had tracks with him. But I asked him questions. How do you keep your heart on fire after 50 years of preaching? How do you stay after it all these years? How do you go to these dead churches? How do you do this? Got to pick up Carl Hatch. Got to be in the car and help pick up 
Jerry Falwell, many of you wouldn't know him. He's the one that started the moral majority, helped elect President Reagan to the presidency through that moral majority. Uh, he knew all the president, very, very hated, started a college, but, but I got to be in the car with him and ask him questions and, and hang out with him. Uh, 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 Lester Roloff uh, with the honeybee singers and took him to the airport and had my little list of questions. I said, Brother Roloff, can I ask you something? He goes, nope, nope, nope. He said, we'll be quiet all the way to the airport. Let's not talk, let's just think. Wow. <laughs> That's, it was just silence all the way to the airport. He got out of the, he got out of the van and he had an orange because they had all these archers and they raised food for, the, uh, uh, for their, uh, uh, what do you call it, when kids don't have a place. Orphanages. And so he threw me an orange and said, thank you, sonny boy. And that's the last time I ever saw it. Just amazing, these great people, wise pe- people with experience. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. That's why for the ladies' conference, we try to bring in some wisdom in our speakers. When we bring in guest speakers, we try to bring in people that don't just perform or say things, but have something to say. And so spend time with wise people. How do you do it? You say, well, pastor, uh, if you're not asked to drive them to the airport, how do you get around wise people? You just watch. You find someone that's wise, whether they're speaking or someone in our church, and you just watch them. Watch what they do. Listen to how they speak. You can read their books. I can spend three hours with Winston Churchill any night I want to. And he's been dead for a long time. I can spend time with Abraham Lincoln, and I have this week. I've read his words, and I've read some things that he did. Uh, I can spend time with some, I'm uh, reading a book now and it's called The Flyboys. And it's these guys that uh, in World War II, uh, 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 never flown a plane in their life and they got their licenses and they signed up the day after Pearl Harbor and they said, we want to learn to fly. We want to help our country win this war. And so I'm getting to spend a little time with the Flyboys. People I've never met, people I'd never get to get around. But there's wise people we could get around. Their CDs, their sermons, their speeches, in person, their books. Number three, learn from your mistakes. How many of you have learned a lot in your lifetime with that statement I'm saying? So here we are. Let's look in Proverbs 1 for a moment. Proverbs chapter 1. And looking down in verse number 23. Proverbs 1, 23. He says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. He's saying it's, it's called a reproof of life. Reproof of life. Who's ever done this? Who has ever been, especially in a foreign country, I've done this. I've used American currency, bought something, got changed. They counted it out. I put it in my pocket. And then when I unfolded it, it was either ripped or a number was missing. I mean, like the corner was torn off or a wrong number was taped on it. Looked like a 20, it was a five. Or it looked like I had been duped. I had been given some, some currency that I couldn't even cash anymore. I'd been ripped off because I didn't look at it closely. Anybody ever gone through something like that? So what do you do? A reproof of life is, all right, I learned my lesson. Now I'm overseas. I'm going to look at every bill that's handed back to me. 
It's just a thought. You say, Pastor, you don't trust people? And then we see in Proverbs 26, in verse number 11, it says, and just kind of cover your ears if you have a weak stomach, 26, 11, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so doth a fool returneth to his folly. So what's that mean? In case you don't know science well or, 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 or dog management, uh, if you have a child that says, Mama, Mama, the dog threw up. The dog threw up all over the, uh, the carpet. By the time you get mom and they say, where? Well, I don't see it anymore. <laughs> I don't see it. It was, it was over here somewhere. You know why? Because that dog. Anyway, that's far as we're going with it. But he's saying that dog goes back to where he made that mistake. So God says sometimes our mistakes are like what a dog would deposit on the carpet. And God says, okay, don't make the same mistake. Years ago, I had bought a boat. Had to have a boat, wanted a boat my whole life. And someone in the church was getting off drugs and, and trying to cut some ties with some friends, this and that, and he had a bass boat. Trailer and boat with a steering wheel. No motor, but trailer and boat. Nice fiberglass. I bought that boat for $200. It was nice. Put it under our garage. I owned a boat. A motor to run that boat was going to be over $1,000. I never had money for a motor. But that boat looked good under my, my carport. I mean, people drove by. Man, he's got a boat. Yeah, I had a boat. I took pictures next to it. It was a great boat. I never put it in the water. Someone came by to buy that boat from me. They said, I've only got half the money. I said, all right, I'll take half. I never met them before. And we'll come back tomorrow and give you the other half. And they pulled off. Ten minutes later, I said, I don't even know who these people are. Bad business. They did come back and pay the rest. Boy, did I learn. No one ever taught me. So you want to learn your lesson. You make a mistake, you want to learn from it. Quickly, let's look here just a little bit further. Number four, when you're not sure what to do about a situation, ask God for wisdom. And that's James chapter one. James chapter one talks about going through tough times or trials. And I'll read it, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, and he's not talking about just out of the blue every day. Oh Lord, give me wisdom. I want to be a wise person. That's not the context. He says you're going through tough times. You're counting it all joy. You want to be patient. Verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So God is saying when you get in a predicament and it's, I don't even know what to do. What am I supposed to do right now? My wife's upset or we're in debt and we can't afford to tithe and we don't even have groceries in the house or... or, or, or or neighbors upset with it. I mean, what am I to do? You ask God, give me an idea. Give me some wisdom. What, am, what is my next step right now? I don't know what to do. Show me. And oftentimes, he will impress on your heart an idea or a decision you ought to make. Amen. Ask him for wisdom. He wants to help you. Uh, he wants to give his child advice. And then we see number five, look for it. Look for it. In Proverbs chapter number two, 
Proverbs chapter 2, and we're hurrying. We should be out right on time, but Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 4. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, always looking for it in a book, in someone. Someone gives a speech and you say, boy, that'll preach. Boy, did you hear that statement? Did you hear what he said? Man, I, I wrote it down. When you're looking for it, you'll find it. You'll find it. Here's another one, too. Uh, number six, seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. In Proverbs 1, verse 5, he says, A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. And a man of understanding, here it is, shall attain unto wise counsels. Now, this is not encouraging us to go to secular psychologists. This is not what this is talking about. It's not talking about, quote, going to see a counselor. And I'm not against that. At times, people need to do that. There's an expert in some field they need to seek advice from. But here, the word counsel means to steer. So it's simply saying at some time in your life, you got to realize you don't know everything. And you need to include someone or some people in your decision-making process. So you're inviting them, so to speak, to ride in your car and do the steering. Not for your whole life, but for that episode in your life. That's what counsel means. I'm about to go through this, not sure what to do. Which way would you steer me on this? That's what the word counsel actually means, to steer or steering. So... What's that mean? And we've covered some of this before. You say, so pastor, who ought to be one of your counselors? Uh, in politics, they would call this a cabinet. When a president gets elected, kind of how it is, is as soon as he knows he wins the election, he's got a piece of paper or he's got a computer and he's saying, all right, who, who should be secretary of state? Here's what I'm thinking. And uh, you know, he's starting to surround himself with advisors and who do you think would be a good secretary of the interior, secretary of war, and secretary of commerce. And, and soon, I mean, I mean, in just a few days, he's making phone calls. Oh, would you work for me? Would you head this up? Would you head up the military? How about the Navy? How about the army? And soon he's got his cabinet. Why? The president cannot know everything about everything. I was so amazed. 9-11, when our country got hit by those two planes, within hours, they knew who was behind it. How did they find that out? Did the president get on the telephone, start? No, his advisors who were experts in those countries who knew uh, people that hated us. I mean, within hours, they knew who it was. And our president was able to walk through the rubble and say, can you hear me? And when the people, yeah, we can hear you, Mr. President. He said, pretty soon, those people who bombed our buildings, they'll be hearing from us. How did he know who that was? He had a cabinet. So if the president, who was very important, needs a cabinet of advisors, I bet we do too. Amen. We do too. People that make all their own decisions usually make more than their share of mistakes. And so... Who should be on our board? And then we'll look at some verses just quickly here. Obviously God. Isaiah 9, 6. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. 
God's pretty smart, I think, don't you? If he can keep the planet spinning and the sun coming up, he's probably got something over on us in wisdom. Number two, parents. Parents, honor thy father and thy mother. Well, well, why your parents? My parents aren't saved. My parents aren't godly, but they know you. They've known you. They know your tendencies. They know your ups and downs. Their, their advice might not be scriptural, and you don't have to take it, but it never hurts. I don't know how many times through the years I called my dad and said, Dad, what would you do about this? He said, well, why, why would you seek counsel from him? He was never a, a Bible student. He wasn't a pastor. No, but he worked with people for dozens of years. He knew how people acted and, and what encouraged people and, and uh, that sort of thing. And so God, your parents, next, if you're married, your mate. Say, how come? Two, two are one. Two become one. Well, it's my money. It's not his money. And I'm going to decide. No, no, no. Major decisions, you talk it through. Well, I think we're moving. Well, uh, where did you come up with it? No, no, no. It's, no, two are one. No, we discuss major, major purchases, major decisions, major directions. We talk this thing through. What do you think? When the church flew me out here and they said, we want you to come to Napa to consider being our pastor. I said, okay, my wife's coming too. Wasn't because I was henpecked. It was we two be one. I wasn't going to make that decision. And she says, no, where's this place again? (laughs) I brought her. And I knew the final decision would fall on me. And she'd do whatever I decided. But on the plane, I said, what do you think? She said, what do you think? I said, I think God's moving us here. I do too. I sure didn't want to mess that one up. So, mate, here's another one quickly. Who ought to be on your cabinet? The Bible. When this book is the final authority, you can't make a decision against this book. I was speaking to someone recently, and they came up, they hugged me. I said, what are you doing now? Well, working Tahoe. I said, really, what do you do? I'm a dealer. I said, a drug dealer or some other kind of dealer? No, a card dealer. I said, really? So what do you deal? Roulette. She said, well, five-card stud, four-card this, and three-card this, and some games, and 21, this, blackjack. I said, wow. You know, I don't know if she looked in this book before she decided on that job. See, you always want to say, what's the Bible say? Is the Bible for or against what I'm wanting to do? You always want to follow the Bible. You'll always be glad about that. uh, Someone heard Billy Sunday preach and they said, what you just said rubs the cat the wrong way. He said, turn that cat around. Sometimes this book will turn you around so you're heading in the right direction. It is your board of advisors. What else? Quickly, an expert in that area. Here's what that means. Okay, let's just say you're going to buy a house. You're not a contractor and you're not a realtor. First house, you're going to buy a house. You cannot just go look and say, oh, I've always loved green. And this is a green house. Oh, I just love this house. Oh, it's so nice. Let's get it. You bring a realtor with you. 
Do you know what kind of neighborhood this is? Did six shootings here. Yes. I met a guy today, Brother Joseph, and I met a guy and knocked on the door. And he opened the door today. And I said, he said, what kind of church are you from? We said Baptist. He said, Satanist. I said, okay. I said, well, there's some of them. He said, upstairs, drug addict. Next door, gangster. Next door over here, uh, a drug dealer. I said, good. Looks like, you know, you guys kind of need us. So anyway, it, it was just, you want to see that neighborhood at night. You want to meet the neighbors. You want to hear if they have roosters. Waking up the whole neighborhood. You want to know if they have like this mastiff dog that's like five foot tall that's barking all the time. You want, to, you want to scout the thing out. You want to find out, oh, those houses depreciating, appreciating. Is it, uh, uh, did the chimney crack during the, uh, uh, during the earthquake? Is it off the foundation? Is it on a wood foundation? Is it on a, 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 a cement uh, a foundation? Do you want a crawl space? You want gas? Do you want electric? Man, you got to look at all that stuff. Who owned it last? Why do they move? What's the history of the house? And, and then you do that for cars too. Oh, I've always loved a yellow car. Oh, I love it. And look, it's got four doors. My grandfather drove a four door. This is great. How much cash do you want? You know, it ought to be, where's the Carfax? Okay, how many accidents? Is this an uh, uh, original title? Or, oh, salvage. What's that mean? Oh, it just means it got dented on the bumper. Okay, thank you. I trust you, sir. You never trust what the person is telling you. You don't. About the house, about the car, about anything you're buying. Oh, this. You're always wanting to see it. So you want to bring someone like that. Before uh, the church purchased the yellow house that we're living in. I think I brought 12 contractors from our church by. I said, we're not even making an offer. I said, can you crawl under the house? Can you get up in the attic? Can you get on the roof? Do you see something? What do you see? I mean, they were like rolling marbles and the, well, you know, it's, it's not even level, Pastor. And, and look at that. It, well, you know, and there's blood on the wall. That didn't encourage me too much. And, and then when, they, when we found the prosthesis leg up in the tree, I said, this kind of kind of different here. I just wanted to see. I'm not an expert at buildings. Not an expert. I wanted to see exactly what we were getting. Sometimes it ought to be that way in dating. Hey, what do you think of that guy? Well, he's got, uh, let me see, he's got, he's got a pair of pants on. Okay, he's got, he's, he, he wears pants. What do you know about it? Well, he sure is cute. I kind of like it. Really? Well, if I was a parent, I'd be investigating anybody my kid liked. They go off to Bible college. I get phone calls. From their parents. Hey, uh, you know anything about so and so? Well, I don't know about. And uh, they, well, they'll call me and ask about our kids in Bible college. Why? Because they don't want to just take the kids' word for it, who they are. It's wise. Okay, moving right along. So let's look in Proverbs and then we'll wrap this up. Proverbs chapter 11. Here's the verses that talk about seeking counsel. Seeking before anything major, you just ask the advice of someone. Proverbs chapter 11, here it is, verse number 14. 
Where no counsel is, the people fall. So that's a, that's a Bible principle. If you don't ask counsel, you will fall. You'll fall into traps. You'll fall into discouragement. But in the multitude of counselors, look at this, there's safety. Pastor, we're, hey, we're moving. We're moving to Miami. Uh, who'd you ask about that? Is there a multitude of counselors? Have you talked to the real estate agents in Miami? Have you met the pastors in Miami? Have you looked into that? And so safety and a multitude of counselors. 1522. We're just going to read them in order. You may want to just circle these verses. Look at them later. 1522. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. I think the lady years ago, there was a man that had had a couple of failed marriages, came to our church. And, you know, everyone's welcome to come to our church. You don't have to be perfect. But had a couple of failed marriages and just was really raised with no example of how to be a good husband. Woman met him, saw him about two Sundays, and just figured, well, he's, you know, he's a church guy. Their marriage didn't last. She said, I just always thought, I mean, he's a church guy. He was, he was sitting in the pew, so that made him good material for marriage. He was able to walk in the building and sit in a pew. She never asked anybody. Never asked anybody. Only listened to what he said about his previous marriages. Never, never spoke to the previous wives. Never spoke to the pastor. Just next thing I heard, we're getting married. Aren't you happy for us? We're finally going to be happy. Okay, moving right along. And, and so 1522, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Here's one, 1921. And this would deal with retirement. This would deal with investments. This would deal with purchases, marriage, dating, uh, direction, business, jobs, which college to go to. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. If it's in the Bible, it's going to be solid. Here's another one. We're running out of time. 20 verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. What's that mean? Someone that understands about life and has a little wisdom will get around someone and with their questions... Their questions will be like a bucket thrown in a well that go down deep and they'll be asking for advice, questions. If I was raising little kids right now, if I had children still at home, young children, I would get around people who've raised kids who are now adults and I'd say, hey, can we take you to lunch? Tell me everything you did right. Tell me everything you did wrong raising your kids. Help us. What do you see in my kids that need correcting? We can take it. We're not going to get upset. We may shoot you, but uh, no, no, but tell me, tell me. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm about to retire. So you've been retired 10 years. What's the best time to, time to retire? What about Social Security? What about Medicare? Uh, what made you make your decision? Hey, you're 80, you're healthy. How did you do that? Okay, I got my note pen. Uh, tell me about exercise. Tell me about vitamins. Tell me about stress. That's what we're talking about. You're seeking, you're seeking counsel from people. 20 and verse 18, here it is. Every purpose is established by counsel. And with good advice, make war. 
before you're going into a major, a major advancement, uh, you want to have good advice. And then two last verses, 24, 6, 24, 6. And look at what it says. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in multitude of counselors there is safety. 27.9, and we're done. 27.9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. He's saying we need to be wise because from time to time, one of our friends is going to need our advice. And that's when you always want to say, hey, I love you, and here's what the Bible says. I'm not going to give you opinion. Here's what the Bible says. And you'll always be glad you went with the Bible. Solomon, he had it, lost it, got it back. Let's get that wisdom and keep it, use it. Amen.